Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. I'm Andrew Montessi, joined by AFL legend Warren Treasure. G'day, Treaders. How you doing, Monty? Good, mate. Now, we're back with our sports business wrap covering the big money moves of the last week or so. Remember, you can get a summary of these stories delivered to you every week when you sign up for our Substack newsletter at www.thebigdeal.au. So make sure you get on board. Now, Treaders, let's kick off with the Live Golf which was in Adelaide over the weekend. Uh, you were a bit of a rock star in the uh, in the corporate seats, mate. Uh, there was plenty of hype. What was it really like? Um, I think it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I was lucky enough, Monty, to go on two days. I went on Friday where I was guests of uh, Leishman Lager, so Mark Leishman's crew and Will down there. Um, good drop too for a mid-strength. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> and had a couple there, but I was in the Shark Shack. So that's on the, the, the watering hole. That's the party hole. That's the hole everyone would have seen on the Fox Sports News or you know, 7, 9 or 10 um, when uh, I think it was Kepka um, aced it on the Sunday. So everyone threw their beers and celebrated and got doused in beer, wine and champagne. Um, it's everything that golf isn't. Um, and you, you look at the way that goes. It's interactive. It's rowdy. Uh, it was brilliant. Uh, my wife and I went along and absolutely loved it. The one area I think the concern they need to do is get better internet because otherwise they would have got free coverage because no one could post anything. It's very much like an AFL grand final. If you've been to a grand final and you're trying to send a message to a friend, it just doesn't happen because all the uh, telecommunications get scrambled. So that's an area for improvement. But, yeah, you walk past all these players. Ken Smith comes out. uh, Brooks Koepka comes out. All the biggest name players in the world. And clearly some are still on the US PGA. But for me, who lives in the Westlakes area, the next golf course or the closest golf course in the suburb is Grange. And Grange Golf Club is on the verge of West Lakes. It's in Seaton. And it is so close to the west of the city. Um, it was absolutely brilliant experience. Um, and it's funny because you're always going to get the naysayers. You're always going to get the haters. But on the Sunday, uh, my wife and I and a couple of our kids went uh, just into the general admission and just thought we'll walk the fairways. Yeah, we, we started on the, the first, we saw a group tee off, which was some of the lesser known lift players. And then we walked down the 18th and wait for about 20 minutes and Dustin Johnson comes down with Ian Poulter. So here we are on the 18th of Grange in South Australia and the best players in the world are there. Then we walk over to the 17th and then they're both putting, I think it was for par or saving par or maybe even birdie, I can't remember. It was hard to see the scoreboard at that stage because the, the packs of the people that were just following, the, the, the droves of people following the big names. And this was Mickelson and Cam Smith. You know, both uh, major winners recently um, and effectively still, you know, Mickelson at his age, uh, pushing 50 is, you know, past 50 is you know, at the top of their game. So I followed them. The only difference I could see from a normal golfing experience, and, and I've been to Australian Opens, I've been to um, other tournaments, is that it was a slight little amount of music being played in the background. You know, it's a backfield. So for much of the PR that everyone talks about, it was golf as normal. But the only thing missing other than that was no one's holding the quiet police signs that the officials used to be super crazy with if it's a proper PGA or Australasian Tour event. 
Um, people scream, get in the hole once they're putt. And, you know, it probably worked because both uh, Mickelson and Ken Smith at this time nailed their putts. And it was brilliant. It had an amazing feel. The weather was perfect. And earlier that day that there was that hole in one, which, you know, everyone's going to look at the clickbait version. I get if you're a, you're a mad PGA Australasian tour, wear your collar, pull your pants up. You know, don't wear your spikes in the, the the golf club. All that sort of etiquette that golfers always had, and I get that. I used to play a lot of golf, but I haven't been a member. I used to be a member at Grange many years ago. Um, I get it might not be for you, but I'm telling you, it's for a lot of other people. It's a lot of other people because, you know, the USPGA doesn't travel. You know, they, this now may force their hand to say that you speak to any of the players. Mark Leishman has said it's the best tournament I've been involved in. He's been a professional for 12 to 14 years in the USPGA. He said it was amazing. People are doing shoeies. And, yeah, it got a little bit out of hand when um, once they're effectively their chances of winning the tournament were done. Um, but for people to come along, there were concerts very much like um, the old Clipsal 500 or the Velo 500 here uh, with the V8s. You know, we've had Red Hot Chili Peppers with all these people. You know, they had this DJ Fisher, who's an Australian DJ, who has you know, got millions of followers, travels all over the world, and just flown back from Coachella, the biggest, one of the biggest music festivals in the world. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's... It was an amazing event the following night. Birds of Tokyo were playing. So there was not only you had the world's best golfers playing in a different type of look, you also had music concerts afterwards. So, and on the Sunday, as I said, it was just, it was a great experience to walk the fairways. I think I've got the itch to get back into golf. It was that good. Wow. The, uh, you know, for the critics, it's it's a different product, isn't it? You know, in the same way that the 2020 is different to test cricket. It's just a, you can't really compare. Yeah, well, I wasn't around when, World Series cricket kicked off. Well, if I was in the years, I was not really conscious. I was a little kid. Um, for me, this is the challenger event. This is the challenger for people who don't like all the uh, political correctness of golf. This gets the roughies in, if you know what I mean. People who like a bit of fun, like a bit of loud music. Don't get me wrong. When the whole the whole in one was here, it went feral. People throwing beers. But within 10 minutes, it's all cleaned up. People are running with bags, cleaning up. And it just added to the atmosphere. And, and let's face it, that is one hole of the 18. So people who want to pitch it when they see their clip on the news and say, this is terrible, this is, goes away from fundamentally the right and Tiger still got them. Yeah, no one's disputing any of the USPGA stuff. This is just another option for people to taste. It's almost like saying you go to a bar and you go, can I have a red wine? Oh, I've only got the house wine. No, there's some other different bottles of wine that you can pick from. And, and I get that this is a challenger and I get that this is split the game a little bit, but... All these players can play in the big majors. There's nothing preventing them from doing that. But they've chosen to go out and do something different. Um, the TV doesn't do it justice. Um, and, and let's face it, rarely does TV do an event justice because it just looks like it would just look like a Yobbo fest. Or, you know, if you film the Melbourne Cup on Melbourne Cup Day and walked in at four o'clock, you've got people crawling out, have drunk too much or partied too hard. Um, you can make it look as bad as you want. So for me, where there's 17 holes of just amazing golf and there's one hole as an amazing experience, which I was lucky to experience on Friday, I think it was amazing. You know, it's been described as boozy and chaotic. It was anything but, probably for about 10 minutes. You know, every time they went to that watering hole, everyone had their own intro song. They cheered the crowd. They fired up the crowd. Uh, you know, Greg Norman, I watched Greg Norman on the Friday, probably there for an hour, signing autographs, walking from side to side and just signing over, leaning over people. Yeah, people had an amazing experience. And I've never been that close to some of the best players in the world. And by all reports yesterday morning, the live private jet left Adelaide and so did Dustin Johnson's for the golfers who wanted to go back to America. But 
this is big time stuff. And, and for little old Adelaide, mm. it's amazing. And I think for the next three years, it's locked in. It's going to be even bigger next year. They had about, mm. I think we'll get to the numbers, how many people attended, but it was almost 25,000 people a day. It, that is amazing. And next year, because it's, and people who might not know Grange Golf Course, there is an east and a west course. It is a very big, so it's two courses. They pick a hybrid version, so the hardest on the east versus the hardest on the west. So you've, so that says to you, you've still got another whole golf course of corporate marquees, parking, food vents, which they probably need to do a little bit better, concert area. Imagine how many more people um, you could fit in if you choose to stretch the holes out a little bit more. I think the upside is absolutely huge. Yeah, so in terms of the upside, how does it stack up commercially? Well, they're going to the South Australian government will reveal a, a full cost findings and impact statement as they do in release of the media in the next couple of weeks. But they're talking sixty three thousand tickets were sold, right? Sell out. Talking really about seventy five thousand most days. It has been reported. So thirty um, percent of yeah. international visitors of that audience. Yeah, you know, those people who rocked up. Ten percent from so that's in, that's interstate. Inter, sorry, inter, inter, interstate visitors. Interstate visitors. Ten um, percent from overseas. Yeah. You know, to it down under in Adelaide, which is a cycling race, which is European, and it was affected by COVID. Absolutely, people would travel for that week just to bring their bike, ride the the uh, the tracks, and do all that. But speaking to people who come in, and we were talking to one of the ladies, and she goes, "Oh, see, you know, talking to my wife." And then I walked up, and it was like, "Oh, you're into golf? Yeah, where we're from Sydney, our planes were chockers with people with golf clubs, and ready to go. Hotels were sold out. You know, tourism. This is lucrative, and this is why uh, there's reports that it cost 14 million for the South Australian government to put on, but 6.6 thousand, six thousand six hundred spend per overseas visitor, right? 2,100 spend per, per interstate visitor. Those numbers are significantly higher than, for example, if someone were to come to the footy. You know, they've come, they've come for at least four days, um, minimum three days if you want to fly in on the day, but let's just say four days. You've got four days of hotels, and don't worry, the hotels didn't miss them. The price is jacked up as well. The restaurants, I, uh, I remember seeing reports from uh, a new restaurant, a relatively new restaurant for Gazi Bar, which is in town. They're saying 70% of their people and new customers so it's got to help it's got to help and, and the infrastructure around this is can only get better so commercially it stacks up and, and even for the players it stacks up taylor gucci one he took home four million dollars four million bucks yeah, for the win. that that normal tournament in adelaide previously right would have been three four hundred thousand dollars this is serious cash yeah i saw his and like <laughs> live golf's just crazy how much the the players are just cashed up so he took home us four million dollars for his efforts which is just less than half of his career earnings from over 121 starts on the pga tour so on the pga tour he made a total of 9.2 us mil from just 12 yeah. live starts he's made us 15.6 million dollars like it's just well, crazy cash i think it's worked out all right for him hasn't it like yeah you know, he, Cam Smith, who tied for third, he took home a million US. So yeah. some serious cash on offer. And the, the word around was that Smith, when he signed for Liv, just a sign-on fee was 16 million US. So I'd hate to know exactly what he's getting. Yeah, some are talking seven uh, into the seven figures, uh, eight figures, nine figures. Like it's, it's 
big, 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 big money. And, and then there's also some other course info I got, and this is just from punters who are talking, to say no matter what his contract is, double is the payout. So if, say, Cam Smith signed for 800 million bucks for the next five years, it's double that to get him out of his contract if he chose to leave. So it, it, it's a it's a big business. It's You can see why it's a threat to the USPGA. When I say threat, threat to lose the best players, threat to get the younger audience. It's doing what World Series cricket did to cricket. Yeah, no longer or no sponsors wearing whites playing test cricket to then wearing bright colours playing under lights using a white ball. This is golf's version. And I must admit, what I saw, I really liked. And, I, and I'm a lover of golf. Um, but I just went there, I experienced it. And I just feel that, like anything, people are quick to draw conclusion off the back of a piece of edited audio of people throwing beers and hitting a hole in one. Well, if they saw some of the other golf that was played, they'd be going, oh, this looks pretty good. I might go to Adelaide next year to look at, look at this and see how it goes. Absolutely. Now, talking about some big cash, uh, the AFL isn't having a great time negotiating the CBA with the players, it seems. What's going on? Well, they've got a few issues because we've, we've touched on the uh, CEO and the lack of footy boss uh, with Gillan McLaughlin supposedly going or not. We'll get to that soon. But, Monty, effectively, the AFL Players Association needs to strike a new deal with the AFL and vice versa for their players' pay deal. Um, we know that they were hit. Uh, in COVID big time, players dropped a small amount, coaches got smashed in terms of 30% of um, the footy department spends, all that. But now the game has done a new TV deal with Seven and Fox. It looks like it's in a very financial position considering that number is significantly higher. But what the AFL has floated to the PA is for their players is effectively a copy and NBA style model where players who are under contract are regularly traded to opposition clubs without consent of the player. Now, this is the big one from the AFL uh, players because for a long period of time, it's like, well, no, we signed a contract. Because very much I can tell you from persons instances, I, I signed a contract, got paid well, but I always got less because you could have always got more. Mm-hmm. So if you show loyalty and you want to stay and you want to stay in your home state of wherever it is, Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, Sydney, you know, New South, um, uh, Queensland, is this model will blow it up. So I think the first thing we'd do is that you'd get not really much loyalty to hang around. Yeah, and if you did hang around, it's going to be at top dollar and market rate. And that is coming that way anyway. But the AFLPA wants a four-year deal to strike a deal with the men and the women's league. The AFL wants a nine-year deal. But the, the, the apprehension around the AFLPA clearly is because of this new Tasmanian licence. What's going to happen? How much is going to be on the hook and how much is going to be funded um, once Anthony Albanese reveals his budget. So they're expecting a lot of that to go into making a new stadium and setting up a new team. But the players are going, well, hang on, why are we going to sign away for nine years when we've got uh, uncertainty? Well, Paul Marsh, the CEO of the AFLPA, has done an interview recently, has pretty much said that the offer is structurally worse than what the players currently get. So they're saying they want to cut back on the play, the players, the men's leave. Well, the leave has been out of control, mate. We used to get 10 weeks total, eight weeks into the season, two weeks. Now they have to have a certain amount of four-day breaks, all this sort of stuff. Um, I, I get that. If we survived in area, I'm pretty sure they'll survive in area um, if you need to come back. So it certainly is going to have to be some to and fro between the players. But the biggest one is they want uh, that trade clause in players' contracts. Um, without their consent. So, and with that, he's also saying that the AFL's proposal falls away, away, and it's short of our vision, but it also its own vision that entrenches 
um, inequity in terms of you know the women's league. They said they want to grow the women's pay at the same percentage rate as the men's pay. Uh, if you follow that through, they're never going to bridge the gap in terms of their earnings because of the the revenue that's created. So the final man, they're saying the financial model that put us into this is actually a diminished revenue share model in its structure, and it doesn't include the AFLW players in it. So they're talking about a joint CBA, but it really isn't joint CBA. So I think the only way for the players to agree on this, and, and they, their argument, the players' argument is always, oh, we don't earn enough money. Well, what are you comparing it to? If you compare it to the NBA, you don't create enough money. You don't generate enough money. Like, And I've been in this situation because... Yes, you don't earn what the NBA earned because you're a one-country sport and you earn the most money pretty much biggest in the league. You're not going to get the NBA-style money because you don't create that revenue. So I don't think these trade clauses are an issue. If you're a superstar player like a Dustin Martin when he signed with Richmond and could have gone to North Melbourne for more money, he could have put in, if this was in the place, he could have put in a no-trade clause. So Richmond are on the hook, and even if he breaks his leg and never plays again, they were on the hook. That happens in the NBA. So I get it when there's players on less money in fringe, but if you're in a midway mark of the mark of the year, the AFL's also wanting to put in, instead of going and picking um, a mid-season period where they can go and raid the Sandful, the Neeful, uh, the lower leagues, the West Australian Footy League, the VFL, they want to create a model where they can move players in that mid-season window. I think this is amazing. Mm. I think this is amazing. Why? Because, Monty, if you're a young Ruckman, I'll make you a Ruckman, all right, for this. Um, you're a rung, ruck, young Ruckman. You're behind two senior players who've played 150 games in the Premiership players, and you're toiling away in the VFL, and the Gold Coast Suns get an injury to their main Ruckman and says, hey, mate, we want to take you for the you know, permanently, or how about looking at Let's do a loan deal like we talked in the English Premier League where we'll take your pay for six months, we'll bump your pay, we'll give you an opportunity to play. You're on the first plane. This is the bit. This is the bit that I think we, we need to grow up and we need to look a bit further than what's straight in front of our face. Sure, sure, no trade clauses for a Patrick Danger who leaves Adelaide and goes to, to um, Geelong on good money but not you know, inside their pay structure. Absolutely, I'd want a no trade clause. But... If I'm a young kid or I'm someone else who's not getting a go or can't get into the team or sees an opportunity to play or has fallen out of contract and is going to get a, a loan option plus or a, or a two-and-a-half-year contract, you're going to take it. So I just think simply shutting the door is not a great option by the no. AFLPA. Now, tied into this is what you mentioned, uh, the, the continuing saga of the AFL CEO role. What's the latest with Gil now, Treaders? Well, there's been a report in News Corporation that uh, McLaughlin reportedly said he'll stay on, but he's put an extra million-dollar pay increase on his head. Well, Gill's denied this, um, but that would have made his uh, annual package around three-and-a-half-million-plus bonuses. Well, if he sits around, and I'm not sure how his bonuses work, but if it's every year of the TV deal or he gets a lump sum, uh, <laughs> I'd be hanging around too because uh, he did a pretty good job yep. of that and it's record money, but... He and the AFL chairman, Richard Goida, are very, very close. And apparently he was happy to lock him in or look at ways of finding the extra revenue to keep him on board as a CEO. But how it's got to a stage now where we've finished gather around two weeks ago and we're still supposed to be a CEO's gone, but he's staying on in the interim. Um, Eddie McGuire, former Collingwood president, has come and said, well, this belief, he believes that the commission split and they actually don't want him to go anyway. 
Um, and the AFL is a bit concerned about the egg on face. Well, they've got egg on their face now because they've got no one effectively running the game, even though Gil McLaughlin's still in the chair. Um, so this is the bit that's... Um, the succession process has been a... Bu- uh, it's a rabble. It's been a basket case. So clubs are furious because they've said, well, there's been no urgency from the commission to fill major vacancies. And they've known about this for more than two years. There's also two spots, I believe, on the AFL commission that aren't filled or are people who are leaving. I think King Williams was one. Um, and I think may have been Jason Ball, former uh, Sydney Swans Premiership player and West Coast player. Um, so, and there's no ex-playing experience. And I know there's a number of players that people have been mentioned. Adam Goods, they attempted many years ago. Michael Alokon both said no. Uh, there's talk around um, Andrew Ireland, ex-Brisbane and uh, Sydney Swans CEO Matthew Pavlich, his name has been mentioned, but he'd have to step away from the media. But the clubs are really disenfranchised with this just because now it, it looks as if the AFL have looked at uh, Kylie Watson Wheeler, who's the Western Bulldogs president. She's the CEO of Walt Disney Company in Australia, New Zealand. Um, and I'm not sure how that sits because her Andrew Dillon's still probably the favourite, the man inside the club. But I just don't know how they can, can't go past the Richmond CEO Ben Gale because he's done everything. He, he's been a player for 250 games. He's a qualified lawyer. He's a huge administrator at the club. He's rebranded the Tigers. And when I say rebranded and rebuilt them, you know, they come out and say, we're going to win a premiership five years, 100,000 members and um, be debt free. Well, he's done all that and he got laughed at and they won three flags. He used to be the AFLPA boss. So he's he sort of covered everything and turned Richmond into the biggest, arguably the biggest club in the game. So um, beyond many, and especially many in clubland, the commission's major role is to govern on behalf of the clubs. What I see, it looks like the commission's major role is to govern, and it's not really on behalf of the clubs because the clubs don't feel like they're being listened to in, in some of the clubs that are talking uh, right now. Now, while I've got you cranky, you're also not a fan of the AFL's match review process, are you? No, it, it, I think it struggles. I think Michael Christian's doing the best he can. Um, but the inconsistency is there for all to see. And I get if you choose to bump, right, and it used to come back to what your medical review was. If you're concussed, then you'll get suspended. If you don't concuss, you won't be suspended. But they effectively added in the AFL the ability to cause injury clause into every MRO incident. Well, every time you turn, you put your boots on, you put your mouth guard on, put your, pull your socks up, or half of them don't pull their socks up nowadays, um, and you run out there in your club jumper, your ability to cause injury is everywhere. So I saw an incident on the weekend where Mitch Duncan goes and bumps the Sydney player. He gets concussed. He gets off. Yet Tom Jonas goes to push in to look like tackle the bloke. Last minute changed his mind to sort of body charge him. Hits him in the head. The player goes off, not concussed, comes on and kicks four goals. And Tom Jonas gets weak. I can understand why the, the players are frustrated. Everyone understands you can't bump. But the bit is, it's almost like the movie The Matrix when Neo gets bullet shot at him and he just stops and then he moves out the way of it. You can't do that in footy. If you're running flat out and you're going, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to tackle, I'm not going to get there, you can't hit the brakes. It's like a car. You you can hit the brakes, but you're still going to collide. And this is the bit that's frustrating because this ability to cause injury is effectively, effectively saying, right, there's no manslaughter, everyone just gets done for murder, whether you cause injury or not. You know what I mean? Like it's... It's just frustrating from everyone's perspective. And what we're asking, and we get, everyone in the game gets, we 
the head has to stay sacrosanct. No one, we don't want head injuries. It's a major issue for players. We've got major litigation happening, as we talked about. The insurance company's going to be on the hook. But you also need to understand that this game is a highest voltage collision 24-7, 360 degrees game where you're not able to just stop. There needs to be, it's breakneck speed, it's full of grey areas, and we've got a system that's trying to go it's black or white. So when we've got three instances on the weekend that are all different, two get suspended and one doesn't, I get why it doesn't wash for footy fans. If you choose to bump and hit someone in the head, but, yeah, the, the incident with the Jonas one, he clashed, he chose to bump. They hit heads. He didn't bump into the head. If the head's whiplash because the collision's that big, why should one be suspended, one not? I just don't get that. If, if you choose to bump and hit a guy in the head, that's fine. But if you're in a situation where you yeah. have shoulder on shoulder and if your heads clash, that's just a you – can't, you can't stop that. That's the bit that I struggle with the most. Yeah, absolutely. Now, interesting one in the NRL – um, we, we covered in our wrap about a month or so ago, the NRL's rage having one of their own, one of their young emerging stars poached by rugby, offered big cash, made the move, cross codes. And uh, they were fuming as, as, as you'd expect. But now they're hitting back traders. They're, they've put in a bit of a plan to, to fight back. Yeah, they have. And this is all, as you say, it's off the back of Rugby Australia poaching Roosters young gun, Joseph Suolini. Um, and you know, $4.8 million deal, effectively, as he does, Peter Vlandes, who's the chairman of the ARL, um, is reportedly considering handing uh, clubs an extra million bucks in salary cap relief for recruiting rugby union and overseas players. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you go over the salary cap, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Hang on, where's he gone? He's gone to rugby union. Stop it. Don't worry about the salary cap. Here's a million bucks. <laughs> go and get him. Go get them what you do. I don't care. Just take them apart. Kneecap them. Steal their recruits. <laughs> oh, no, it's, you can tell if he, he's taken it very personally, it seems. Oh, but I, I love what he does. Because I even remember when the COVID stuff, that's it. We're returning to play on this date. The AFL's like, oh, what, what, what? Well, the government signed it. He goes, I don't give a stuff. We'll find a way. And because he was progressive thinker and he put some pressure on, the game was able to return. Health wasn't compromised, what, well, what you could see from the outside. Um, but as we say here, yeah, for a long time, English rugby league would always pay a bit more than Aussie rugby league. And things have changed over the journey as our game has continued to grow. Um, but, yeah, as he's saying here, he wants to sign players from outside of Australia, New Zealand and English rugby league. So he's, he's encouraging recruitment from rugby union programs, South Africa, Argentina. Also want to target NRL clubs to target American college systems to recruit NFL people who aren't um, probably going to get drafted in that system. So I like his different thinking. Yeah, he's a challenger. He's always been a challenger. I think he was involved in uh, racing up in New South Wales. Um, so, yeah, I like how he always he starts the fight on. He, you know, he he flags his his love for his, his competition and he takes the game on. And it's nothing better than that. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, geez, the NRL are having a bit of a crack. They're also. Um, 
talking about plans to kick off the 2024 season with a double header in Vegas. They're talking it up as like the biggest league event in history. Yeah, but like with all these things, and I could be missing the main bit, is it sponsored by casinos? Are they bankrolling and is there more money coming into it? You know, what's the business behind this? Because the first thing you think, go Vegas, rugby league. Uh, nah, I know that uh, the Raiders have moved there. Uh, I know that, yeah, they're getting sporting organisations to move there. This one, is it kicking tyres? I don't know. You know, I must think with China, when Port Adelaide did it all those years ago, what's the plan here? Well, it's mm-hmm. all around the sponsorship and business in China and showing that you're a contributor to the Chinese economy, all that sort of stuff, so you can do business. I get that. But, yeah, this one's an interesting one. Um, yeah, there must be someone, must have been getting a lick of the ice cream out of it somehow. Yeah, I mean, clubs, according to the report, are apparently lining up for it, even though it's it's not exactly an easy way to start off your your season. But hey, well, I guess we'll we'll see what's uh, how that all plays out. And you know, Vegas is clearly making a big push for sport on almost all levels. I mean, we've just seen in the last week the um, the famous Major League Baseball team, Oakland A's, preparing to move to Vegas, which is a you know, over in the States, that's a that's a massive move. Yeah, it is. And, and especially when I always bang on about that your lifeblood of your club or what, your fans, you're just going to move Oakland? We've been in Oakland for how long? Forever? Yeah, over 50 years. Yeah. yeah and then you know, I, I remember with the Seattle Supersonics then becoming the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then, you know, yeah, I, I've never quite, enjoyed that element of just changing, you know, LA Raiders, weren't they originally uh, in the NFL? It was LA Raiders definitely years ago when I was growing up in school to now, I think it went Oakland Raiders and now it's Las Vegas Raiders, isn't it now? So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, but I mean, it's just at the end of the day, like fans are gutted, the Oakland Mayors hit out, you know, of course, trying to say well we tried everything to keep them and blah 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 but that's that's business you know there's plenty of cash yeah plenty of cash floating around in 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 uh, vegas you know the they've bought a 49 acre plot of land with the intention to build a like a billion dollar retractable stadium roof you know and hope to be over there by the 2027 season but gosh for the um for the lovers of the you know the story of sport and and everything that goes with it. It's uh, leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, it's just fully commercial. And I think I get there's elements of business and business is sport, but it's sports business is different. And with that business doesn't function without fans, and that's the disappointing thing. Imagine if you're a fourth, fifth generation member who've just grown up and that's your team, and all of a sudden probably changed their colours, probably and they definitely moved to a new location, and what? What are we doing now? No one would like it. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the money that's floating around in the States in sport is just on another level. I mean, that's why we like to cover it, um, just to to see where things can go in the business of sport. And uh, Treaders, can you talk us through um, the latest big money contract that's come out of the NFL? 
Well, Jalen Hurts is the Philadelphia Eagles' 24-year-old. That's right, he's only 24. He's a quarterback superstar. Um, Talked for the first time since signing his biggest NFL player contract ever. Five years extension worth $255 million. US. So that's, yeah, US dollars. That's more than $381 million Aussie dollars. So he's getting paid more than $76 million a season. He's, he's quite, how's this quiet, Monty? Money is nice. Championships are better. I have mixed emotions right now. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. But I'm just so hungry. The hard work continues and the fire continues to burn. Well, that's a good thing if you're a Phillies fan. Uh, sorry, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Not the Phillies. They're the baseball team. Um, they're superstars. Certainly in hungry. He wants to play better. He wants to be better. He wants to perform. But... He's going to do it knowing that he'd be able to drive in any vehicle he wants and probably live in every yeah. house he wants in that area. Like, like, I kind of get it in a way. Like, those guys get to a point where they've got more money than they could ever know what to do with. So, of course, they're, like, they would get to that point where they can be just so focused on winning championships because what, what else? It's another 10 million, another 100 million. Like, who gives a stuff? Like, okay, the money's filling up my bank. I'm just going to keep playing. Like, I kind of get it. Yeah, yeah, and it's the biggest game over there. This, which is, oh, I always thought NBA was bigger, but this is the biggest game NFL. And go back years ago, and I remember Michael Vick, you know, who had some challenges in his career, but he was Atlanta, and I was able to spend some time in Atlanta post the two thousand four um, footy AFL footy season. And he just signed a bumper deal. I think it was one hundred twenty or one hundred forty million dollar ten year deal, and that was a supermax deal back then. So that tells you where things have gone. So if it's a ten year extension, he's five hundred million US. You know, it's it's. You know, it's five times what Vicar. Like, it's that's just huge. And, and I get the TV money, and that's why the teams are moving. But, you know, this is not including any sponsorships. This is not including any footwear deals, any glove sponsorships, or any, um, you know, all those sorts of things. So, you know, he, he's never going to have to work again. Good on him. He's a super talent. Um, but as he says, it looks like he's hell-bent on doing one thing. It's being a, a Super Bowl winner. Yeah. Now, also, just uh, sticking with the NFL, highlighting the fact that the NFL draft kicks off in a matter of days. Now, it's it's a huge event. So it takes place over three days, April 27 to uh, to the 29th US time. Now, I just wanted to, to mention it on the show because it is an event that the AFL would so badly want to emulate. And, and traders, when you look at the commercials, you can see why. Yeah, this is it's huge bucks, and but it's it's a totally different product to the iPhone. I'll get to that in a sec. So Disney's expected to rake in sixteen million dollars US in advertising revenue. They've got four official sponsors and nearly a hundred advertisers across fifty product categories. This is but this is a draft. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a Super Bowl here. So there'll be 15 more categories than last year. So they keep adding, adding categories. It's aired across ESPN, ABC in the US, which is owned obviously by Disney. So this is the bit, and some report it to be the NFL's most valuable content in its major off-season events. So I get where if we look at locally, you know, there's an AFLW comp that is generally run in the off-season or the cricket season to, to flood football into the people's homes to stay interested. And then it goes into an AFL preseason competition, the AFLW finals. And that's what it used to be before they changed the seasons around. It still haven't settled on where the women will play for next year or what time. Then you go to the AFL season. Then it goes into a silly season of trade and drafting. And then it pretty much takes you through to Christmas. So there's always a bit of a gap. But the AFL pretty much runs now 12 months of the year. The interesting thing, though, we love 
in Australia, we love the trade period. We love hear, hearing people's plays. Probably don't. Speculative names. It could be going here. It could be doing this deal. This is what happens. Swap for this pick, this mega trade. This thing's Jason Horn Francis in Port, North Melbourne with West Coast pick and Port's pick and all these sort of things. And it's getting bigger and bigger by the day. But the one thing the AFL I can't see, and I'll be happy to be proven wrong, is they won't be able to replicate this NFL draft feature. Because as you say, for three days, this effectively stops a lot of American sport. It's a lot of commercial revenue. And this is all off the back of college kids getting picked up. The difference is when our kids get picked up, we have journos that follow it all year who are very good, generally based at the AFL. They've got others who try and make out they follow it really closely. But when you're following the AFL season, it's hard enough to follow that, let alone to follow the junior stuff. So these colleges are interesting because the colleges is where the players generally get drafted from. It's a lot of NBA. There's a, an element of that. But the NFL and the, the college alumni system suggests that even if you're a doctor who's doing medicine or, you know, do your podiatry studies or you're a marketing guru, you're still associated with your college. And that's where you find a lot of the colleges will sell out their teams games every week. Um, we talk about that revenue share was always different, you know, broad uh, image rights. There's always been these challenges in the past where the colleges make a fortune and the players because they're not professional, don't get paid. But what that does do is when these players enter the potential draft, everyone knows everything about them. So it is a celebration. And it's not only, hey, I'm from Philadelphia and I know that my college in Philly uh, knows this player. I know all the other college players because I know Philadelphia might have this pick and we could look at that guy. So, and that's all around America. So whilst we'd love to think that's going to happen in the AFL, it's not going to happen in my eyes because we don't follow the under-18s close enough and they're not broadcast, whereas these guys are broadcast on TV every week. We yeah. get to know them before we even see them at the pros, at the professional level. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole range of reasons why advertisers love it because the fans are just all over it. And, you know, they've created, it's a live event and, and, you know, that typically works well, anything sport-related on TV. It's a party, isn't it? It's a party. They've got um, – I was I was reading that, like, it's hosted this year in, I think, Kansas City, and it's the biggest stage or something like that for, for this type of event. The, the stage is enormous. Like, there's going to be, like, tens of thousands, 100,000 people or something like that attending on the site. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty incredible. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And unless you're there and you understand it, and or if you flick on you know, Australia, flick on Foxtel and watch ESPN, you're not going to understand the magnitude of it just by being through the TV because, as I say, people take three days off to go and support and hope that their team picks up this guy or go and support this college player that you know used to be in the class with, all that sort of stuff. It's, it is a big product. And as I said, I, I just don't think we'll be able to replicate it because you know, we just want... You know, players on AFL lists, you go, oh, yeah, he's a project for three or four years. Yeah, there's no pro- not many, many projects in college. They've already been in a semi-professional system and they're rolling in whether they can get a, t- a game in the pros. You know, they're, they're sort of almost finished article by the time they get there. Yeah. Now, I'm going to jump to our final story. It's one I've wanted to talk to um, talk to you about for a while, Treaders. It's uh, Wrexham. Um, so if you're a bit of a sports nut, and you follow everything, you might be across the the story that in 2020, Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, um, now you might know him if you're a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, one of my favourite shows, uh, they bought Wrexham uh, for a reported US $2.5 million. So pretty cheap. 
So they've just got promoted for the first time in 15 years. So, but what I've loved about it, I mean, there's so many different things, but in just two seasons, they've got their own docu-series. They've played on ESPN. They've announced a US tour. Um, and then now they've won their league. Like I think there's one thing to see, you know, a, a team kind of progress that way. But I also love the just the brand power that a couple of Hollywood stars can bring to a club and completely turn it around. Yeah, and this is, as you say, it's brought Hollywood to a local division soccer team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're talking, you know, Rayleigh, they're, they're talking 294% um, rise in footy costs. Um, they lost more than 3 million bucks, to be exact, or 2.9 million pounds, to be exact. Um, the wage bill, the travel, everything has been turned on its head. It's effectively turned to what appeared to be a hobby, right? Probably started out as a hobby for these two guys. Um, and it's turned into a bit of a lifestyle. And uh, it's it's amazing how, you know, higher costs, presence of two huge actors, uh, help raise the club's profile. Their income rose more than six million bucks. You know, that's a National League record. Um, sponsorship contracts, experiences, retail sales, the whole lot. But the beauty is now they've got promoted. So they go up to uh, Division 2. So their entrance into the Div 2 will get an extra $1.3 million in income from TV and payments from the league. Sponsors are likely to pay more, even though they've improved the sponsorship. So as I said, what t- t- turned out to be uh, was probably a hobby at the start. It's turned into a genuine lifestyle now where uh, the two Hollywood owners are sort of heads have turned and gone, hang on, we've got something going on here. Nice little business, nice little out of support. And they probably dream of making all the way to the Premier League. But if they do... They're probably going to have to upgrade their home stadium. Oh yeah, gosh, there'd be there's a lot they'd have to do to to go that far, and um, gosh, they'd have to find a few more dollars to invest as well. But gosh, Ryan Reynolds, I don't know if you've ever seen his business acumen. Like he's he's in all sorts of stuff. He was involved in a gin company that I think has recently got bought out for multi billions. Like the guy is very savvy, so. He knows what he's doing. It'll be pretty exciting to see what he's got planned. Yeah, well, he's clearly, as I said, he's clearly got involved and um, and loves what he's doing. And but imagine if you were just your, not saying just your, but imagine if you always talk about the punters, the fans. Imagine if you're just Johnny Smith and Dad would just go to the game and Mum and Dad, we've got four tickets and we, you know, eat a hot dog there and Dad has a pint of beer and I get my glass of Coke or it's freezing cold and all of a sudden Ryan Reynolds, oh, Hollywood's boys. Why have Hollywood boys? A couple of years later. Bang. They haven't tasted success in years. They've gone up the level. The buzz is around the place. You know, you're treated like gods. You just think your world's come. Yeah, like I know there's kids who might support Arsenal or Manchester City or Manchester United frustrated that they haven't won for a few years, but... This is the lowest of the low in terms of the, the low-level grassroots clubs. And how good is it if that could work out that your your team um, goes through this process and it's you know has wonderful success? It's a beautiful Hollywood story, Treaders. I love it. Well, it's funny. Even his Hollywood, Hollywood wife, I saw some image of uh, Blake Lively. Um, just she, came, just uh, came across an image, Treaders? No, no, it was a video. I, I don't okay. know where I saw yep. it. And it was like, hey, Blake, can you say hello? She was at the home game with her husband and said to this guy, oh, can you say hello, a message to my wife? And she turns around in terms of promotion and says, 
Hey, I think, yeah, how you going? What's that your name is? Congratulations, hey, where are you? I think you should leave him. You're better than that, as a joke. And, and it was almost like, imagine that fan experience. You've got a Hollywood owner, Hollywood owners, his Hollywood superstar wife is recording a video to your missus at home. Got the, the whole experience. I'm not sure the Glaciers could do that or the Cronkies could do that from Arsenal. I don't think they could yeah. So good. We need more good stories like this in sport. Oh, we do. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning into our wrap. To our listeners, we really appreciate it. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.